SAS Backwards is sponsored by Austin Lawrence Group, specializing in demand gen for SAS. It sure is noisy. I deleted 100 emails from vendors just this morning. Your buyer has gotten better at ignoring you, and you're going to need a big idea if you want to cut through all that clutter. Austin Lawrence is just the right agency to help you find it. So if your campaigns are falling on deaf eyeballs, let's talk. Visit austinlawrence.com today and let's build something bigger. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome to SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CEOs and CMOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. Our guest today is Stacey Epstein, CMO at Freshworks. It's Stacy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. Excited. So excited. I can barely get the words out. Yep. Same. So before we dig in, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your career trajectory and Freshworks. Sure. I have been in enterprise software for decades and decades and decades. I was back at Oracle in the 90s. I mostly have done growth stage startups. I was the first marketer at Success Factors, one of the pioneers of enterprise SaaS, and took that company, built the marketing function up through the IPO from there, went to ServiceMax, another pioneer in enterprise SaaS, more focused on the field service management space. Had a stint as a CEO running a software company called Zinc, which was then acquired by ServiceMax, which got me back to ServiceMax. And more recently joined Freshworks about two and a half years ago as the chief marketing officer. And things have been really good at Freshworks since you joined, right? Yes, since I joined, things have been really good. So I guess the thing I want to ask you is you came into a relatively successful yes, company, I did. but it's accelerated since, right? Yeah, it's accelerated. I started about six months before the IPO. Metrics were really strong. We were doing about 300 million and maybe 350 million in ARR at that point, still growing over 50%. And the company had found very early product market fit, serving multiple different markets. So multi-product company and yeah, our value proposition, which I just gave a talk on value propositions and how to craft them, it really resonated and it's still resonating even in this sort of uncertain macroeconomic climate. How have you changed go-to-market strategy at this company? A lot. The very early days of Freshworks were pure inbound paid search. As I mentioned, we have multiple products but our TAM is enormous. So we sell customer service and support, ITSM sales marketing solutions to companies of all sizes, including small business, mid-market and enterprise as well. A lot of people looking for solutions in those areas. So the theory was if we can capture all those people looking and get them into a trial and give them a great experience, they will buy. And that theory proved to be true. So very classic PLG, inbound led, find them, get them into the trial, convert them. And that led to a lot of the growth in the early years. Since then, we've layered on lots of different motions. We've built up a direct sales force. We've added more traditional demand gen tactics like events and even ABM. 
we're selling to much bigger companies now. So we still cater to people who just want to search, find it, get in a trial, put in their credit card and use the solution. But we also give buyers, we meet them where they are. If they want a sales cycle, if they need a custom demo, we have different motions. So we've really layered on that direct sales enterprise motion for both sales and marketing onto already successful PLG and now we do both. So that's a lot like the Slack model, right? So they have yeah. a little of everything. It is, they have a little of everything. I mean, Slack's a little different because they have virality amongst users. So, you know, if I am on Slack and I want to talk to you, I need you to get on Slack. In our markets, we sell to a buyer that's running a function that says, I need a solution for chat or for ticketing or for service management. I need to make a decision for my department. And the department might be small, but it's a little different than Slack, who it's more it's more of a user-led PLG. Ours is a buyer-led PLG. That's a differentiation I don't think I've heard before. Yeah. Did it's you different. just make that up? No, I didn't. I mean, I think <laughs> Zoom, Slack, people categorize them as PLG, and they are PLG. Right. But it's, I mean, even Yammer, if you remember Yammer, that was kind of an early version of the same thing of like, if I'm on Yammer and I'm the only one on Yammer, what's the point? Like Yammer got successful because they grew through user virality. And I would say a lot of dev tools have that flavor of PLG for us. It's a buyer. You know, you're not going to be like a single customer service agent that says, I'm going to try Freshworks to do my job. No, it's the customer service leader and that's my it. Got it. Makes sense. Hey, um, you said that like traditional demand gen important. I guess that includes building the brand. Yeah. Where is creativity on your radar screen? To me, it's become a hot topic. So I want to know where you are on creativity. Well, that's interesting. I guess I'll be curious why you think it's a hot topic today versus always. Well, we all have Let our personal journeys. Okay. So you're going to interview me on that. That's yeah. cool. Let's turn it so, around. My agency been at it for decades and we were a creative led firm before the internet. We did a lot of print work, a lot of outdoor, all B2B. And with the onslaught of content marketing and mm -hmm. what I've kind of called the tyranny of SEO, mm -hmm. a lot of the work, the clients have driven it toward as attributable as possible marketing with science attached to it. And I had a guest on the podcast like two weeks ago, Melissa Rosenthal from ClickUp. Mm -hmm. And it just like totally shook my snow globe. And I was like, this is what we used to do. This is how we used to differentiate our clients and their brands. So I'm having this sort of reconnection to the roots of me being in the creative services business as okay. opposed to marketing services. Very interesting. I was interpreting your question as creativity, as a thing in and of itself that is something that you apply to everything you do. That's how I was, which is why I said, I think creativity is always important. Like we always need to be creative and up-leveling and adding, but in the more like creative services sense, you know, AI is really also shaking our worlds because I mean, it is called generative AI for a reason. It generates things for you. I think you. it should be called ruminative AI. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You know, I'm still learning myself, but I'm also still analyzing and thinking. And to me, Gen AI helps 
generate stuff. It also helps generate the same stuff that everybody else is generating. And then you feed it back and it is going to just use that to generate more. And so it's kind of just feeding off of itself. And I think as marketers, we have a real opportunity to be creative outside of Gen AI and differentiate and be compelling and be different because Gen AI is kind of feeding off of itself. So I think about creativity from that perspective. Well, yeah, the idea that hasn't been surfaced yet, right? Right, exactly. I love when I get on Google and in quotes, I search some line I wrote right. and there's zero results. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the internet is maybe not nearly as smart as Gen AI, whereas Gen AI then is going to take that and put it in and then it's going to be in there and people, right? So you almost want to be careful about putting your fresh ideas into chat GPT because then they're going to get put into chat GPT, right? There's almost this like, hey, I'm going to be creative and do stuff on my own and then I'm going to bring it to market. Sure, it'll become part of public record and searchable, right? Once I put it out, but I want to be creative and different. So I think in some ways, Gen AI gives us the opportunity to differentiate through creativity, which maybe was your original question. That's certainly where I think I was going. I think in the world where it's like desktop publishing when it came out, everybody was a creative director. Mm -hmm. Everybody had an opinion about layout who used to say, well, you guys know better. Right. Now all of a sudden their kids were doing it and they were saying, well, you know, my son Sammy did this and I feel like we're going to run that same set of gates with generative AI where people are going to say, well, look at this stuff I had the internet cough up. Isn't that good? Yeah. And so. Yeah, I think everyone can do it, but doesn't that put us all at that same level of average and give you an opportunity to really step above it in marketing and do truly phenomenal things because they're different. I want to do truly phenomenal so things. So do I. Totally. I want to shift gears a little bit because I have a few topics I want okay. to cover. And this probably fits right into what Fresh Shirts does in part. But how do you guys look at the value of customer success in terms of driving the business forward? You know, how important is customer success toward revenue, accomplishment, not just retention, but growth in the business? Yeah, I mean, well, retention is, of course, the first place we look. Net dollar retention is a big, huge metric for us that, you know, we're public. We report on it publicly. We watch it. And I think certainly churn is another customer success metric that we watch. I think when you are PLG, people are buying your product through experiencing your product, not through seeing a demo, which is different, right? So you have to know that customers are going to like it and that it's going to have that sticky factor that they're going to stay because otherwise if they're coming in, trying it and even maybe buying it, but then churning out, then, you know, the payback is longer and longer on your marketing spend and it's sort of everything. And as I mentioned, we have multiple product lines, some of them much further along in maturity and we even have incubator products. And as you're first coming to market, you tend to find the churn is higher. Part of it is because it's an incubator product. By nature, it doesn't have as much features, right? But that's how you have to learn is like, what's making them churn? Why are they churning out? When are they churning out? These are the things they really want. 
and how do we keep them because that's how we drive ARR. We all get judged by ARR at the end of the day, most of these SaaS companies. We report on revenue, but ARR is the number that really matters like because the, you're building on it, right? And it's the investment banking number, right? Exactly. Totally. And um, I think, you know, this macroeconomic climate has made things interesting because a lot of companies, ourselves included, we were counting on our customers growing and adding seats. And that was just built into our model. And like, you don't even really have to do anything. Just keep them happy and they're going to add seats because they're growing. Well, once growth slowed across all industries, the seat additions started to decrease across all industries. And then you really have to think about customer success and how do I make sure they stay? Everyone's trying to cut their tech stack. I mean, I just talked about this in my presentation. Our value is fast, easy, cost effective, and yet powerful, scalable, modern, like you get to have your cake and eat it too. That resonates right now. And we got to get that message out while software decision makers are trying to cut their tech yeah, in stack. In fact, there are a few SaaS companies here today talking about how they can help you narrow yeah. the number of subscriptions you need to yep. accomplish a specific goal. It's on everyone's mind. I feel like though that as my main reason to be, it just doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy. I don't know. Well, you mean as, a, as your, a, as your a mission as a company? Yeah, your mission as a company is like, I'm going to help you, you know, reduce your tech estate. Like that's what my main value prop is. There's a few sponsors out there. That's what they've got going on. I don't know. I mean, I guess nobody wants to overspend on software, do they? Like, I don't want to overspend on software. Whether times are good or we're in a macro downturn, I want to spend money on things that move the needle. And, you know, I won't name names, but we compete against some big brand names. Yes, you do. You know, one of them starts with the letter S and the other one starts with the letter S. Two of the biggest enterprise SaaS companies out there. I mean, they're expensive, they take a long time to implement, and am I really getting the ROI? I don't know. And so people don't, don't love those products. And people don't love them. them either. So I don't know, I'm kind of bought into the mission. Again, like Freshworks' mission is not cut your tech stack. Our mission is hit your goals. My point. With lighter, nimbler, you know, I'll use the analogy. My husband is a basketball coach high school, you're wondering where is she going to go with this? I'm um, with you. I'm going on the journey. And one of his things to my daughters is because I have young daughters, they both play sports. Before practice, before going to a game, he's like, don't eat. You got to play light. You got to play light. You want to show up light and ready. And you know, when you've just eaten and you're loaded and you, oh, you're just going to sit on the bench. And there's a corollary to like big, overbuilt, bloated software. It just makes your team want to just sit on the bench and take a nap versus play light, just a couple clicks and get your job done, right? This notion of playing light. I still kind of want to use that as a tagline. I like it too. I know. Play light. I think we don't want to get into the category of light like it's not featured enough or it's not enough to do the job. So I'm still kind of working on this tagline in my mind, but I think that's a pretty good mission as a company is to help other companies play light. I agree. Let's talk a little bit about the AI thing again. How is AI figuring in the product at Freshworks and what can you talk about that might be coming? 
We have been doing AI, as I mentioned, since 2017. Like, the AI is not new for us. We've had chatbots. It's a big part of what we do. And it's a big part about how we deliver results for customers. Deflection of cases through chatbots, right? If you want to return something, you don't need a person to look up your order number. You should just be able to do that. I know. I'm a big fan of these yeah. intelligent so, chatbots. And that's been around for a long time. There's nothing new there. The thing that I think generative AI does for us is it kind of fundamentally changes the way people interact with software. Software used to be, I've got to figure out what my strategy should be to run my function, and I'm going to figure that out through some data, some personal biases, whatever somebody on my team told me recently, whatever a consultant may have told me. And at the end of the day, maybe gut feel, now I've got my strategy. Now I'm going to go to IT and I'm going to say, I need software to help me do this strategy. Let's pick a tool, let's implement it, and let's tell the software what to do to hit my strategy. What Gen AI does, I think, for companies is that changes that fully to tell me, based on history, context, data, all sorts of different data points, what my strategy should be with intelligence, again, with context, with history, mm -hmm. I now have like the most intelligent data analyst that I could even imagine helping me with my strategy, which in and of itself is game changing, but then also it will implement it for me. So a good example in our industry would be like, again, I mean, we could talk about marketing, like I want to sell more to my customers. What should my strategy be to do that? Well, if I'm Gen AI, I can look at all your customers, all their buying history, all their patterns. I can also look at what people are buying in the market. I can tell you which campaigns worked, which didn't. I can look at all your products. I can tell you. And then. And which were more profitable. Right. And then I can also tell you what time of day you should send it. And then I can also send it for you. Like that is a huge assistant to me. The same can be true for customer support, right? Like how can I deflect more cases into my chatbot now? So tell me that based on all my information. Now also program my chatbot to do that. And I think Gen AI can do that. And that's where we're heading. I mean, that's some visionary stuff that I just talked about. But, you know, like I said, we'll be making some incremental releases on June 22nd. And you'll hear a little more specific about some actual well, tangible releases. I think that's releases. a great vision to paper for us that I think everybody looks at Gen AI from their own lens. So being in the marketing business, the first thing I think about is the writing. Yeah. The writing stuff at marketing. But the things that have excited me were these natural language interfaces to software. Yeah. And to be able to get them to do things that I might not conceive of. So I think that's maybe more interesting. Yeah. Actually than the writing support. Yeah, I mean, right now, from an internal use perspective, we are mostly using Gen AI for testing. Like, will this subject line resonate versus write me a piece of content? Like, again, we can write content probably better. Gen AI does a great job. I'm not throwing water on Gen AI. But if we want to be really unique and different, we don't want to be pulling from what everybody else has already written. Totally. So. Great. So uh, last question is my favorite podcast landing question. What would you do differently at your current firm or in your career looking back now? So a little perspective, you know, what might you do a little differently and why? Oh gosh, that's like 
a million answers to that question, you know. I well, my grandfather once said to me, before he passed away, he said, if I make more good decisions than bad decisions, I'm golden. Yeah. So. I mean, I guess, you know, you could go back and say, oh, I wish I had been a sportscaster. That looks like a fun job. You know, I mean, I, there's things like that. But the truth is, I don't know. I've really liked my journey in life. My career has been a really interesting one. I'm aging myself, but I was there when relational databases were like the hottest thing and there for the dot com. And I remember sitting there being like, I am here for the birth of the internet, right? I was there for mobile phones. I was there for iPads and tablets and what that meant to the industry. Now I'm here for Gen AI. I've been at some pretty important companies along the way. I have certainly made mistakes and maybe even taken wrong moves here and there. I sort of view, I tell this to my kids all the time, there are no failures, there are only lessons. And if you look at the things that maybe you didn't do right, maybe they led you to do something else right. So I guess I'm gonna go with, I, I wouldn't change anything. Fair enough, I have one I would change. Okay. Which I haven't shared too much. Okay. About 22 years ago, I had a guy working for me, early days of the internet. Maybe it was 23 years ago. And he wanted to create an online directory of all the events on the internet. And there were none. And he wanted to do it. He wanted to call it What's On. And then Mark Cuban, not long after, came out with Broadcast.com, made himself a billionaire. So I owe Fred Buescher a shout out. He used to work for me. I was doing really well, CMO of the weather companies. Very so, uh, nice. Anyway, so Fred, if you're listening. Congratulations, Fred. Big mistake, though. Should have built what's on. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, it was really a pleasure to Thank have you. you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So if people want to learn more about Freshworks, they go to... Freshworks.com. And can they connect with you on LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn, Twitter, Stacy Epstein. Thank you, Stacy. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't done so already... Please do so wherever podcasts are distributed. And as well, I'm on LinkedIn slash in slash Ken Lempit. And the agency's Austin Lawrence at austinlawrence.com. Thanks again, Stacey. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com. You can email Ken Lempett at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe, and thanks again for listening.